I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Coming to you from Classic City, the capital of the Bulldog Nation, it's time for another edition of the podcast designed for the most die-hard Georgia fans in the country. Here are your hosts, Tyler and Charlie. What's up, guys? Welcome back to another edition of the Glory UGA podcast. I'm Tyler, and I am very glad to be joined today by my co-host, Charlie, who you are going to be hearing a lot more from as we enter the 2020 season here in the coming weeks. Charlie, are you finally, I know you were kind of like, I don't want to say on the fence, but you were were being very cautious with the level of optimism you were allowing yourself to feel as we were kind of going through the summer about potentially having a football season. So are you finally allowing yourself to get excited about this 2020 season? Uh, A little bit. I also didn't know I was going to be on the show more, so... Thanks yes, you did. Don't, don't, don't throw me at, don't throw me under the bus like that. You said it was a possibility. Oh, you did no, not no, 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 no. We talked about me. this. We talked about this. Well, it's a good thing I'm organized and can do my homework. Can you? Yes. I guess I'm counting on you to be able to do that. But on a scale of one to ten, like where is your excitement level right now? You're okay. You're never more than a five. <laughs> if you guys would know Charlie, she uh, very very even keel, very level. Doesn't get too high, too low. So five is a max first. When I say. One of ten, five would be really good. But where are you right now? I mean, this is normal. <laughs> so like two, <laughs> one. That's your kind of your baseline. I mean, yeah. I mean, you're not any more excited than you were in like May. I mean, no. What? Because I just don't. Are you alive? Get excited? Because I figure if I don't get excited, then it will happen. Okay, I understand that, right? Like. You don't want to jinx yourself like that mindset. And just because, That's kind of how I operate. And just because the ACC is starting to play this week. I know. I know. Doesn't mean I know, that we will play. I know. I so agree. it's like, just enjoy the games that you get to watch. Although last weekend I was not thrilled with How those. about that 55-3 BYU beatdown? Yeah. yeah, that was not... Um, and your yeah. mom's an MTSU alum and uh, that didn't end so well for them. I know you were... Yeah. You didn't feel great about that one. That was harsh. That was tough. But yeah, I, I get I get where you're coming from because as excited as I am and my excitement is growing by the day, I'm still like, I can't let myself fully go there because like I'm afraid I'm going to jinx something. Not that... I have any control over what happens, but yeah, I get that. I get that. But just like last season, guys, Curtis, like he's not going anywhere. He'll be joining me on the game recap episodes. That's the same thing as last year, but due to his law school schedule, we're making a little switch here. We're switching him over to the mailbag episodes this season, and Charlie will join me on the game preview and picks of the week episodes. Uh, Curtis is like really the, the thing was his end of the week schedule is just loaded this year, so it just kind of made sense to switch into the first two shows each week. And Charlie has been kind enough to agree to join me once again this season for the final two episodes of the week, even though she's sitting here claiming that we haven't agreed to that. You're throwing me under the bus. We have agreed to that. Okay, well that's fine. Okay, thank you, okay. thank you for for owning I mean, I up to your mistake. I don't remember there. half the stuff. I just need to put it on my calendar. Yeah, well, yeah, get on the calendar. It's coming. It's coming quick. 
So yeah, guys, that means we will be moving to four episodes a week beginning the week following the first game week. I think that's two weeks from now, I guess, is what I should probably have said. That's an easier way to say it. Uh, at least that's the plan for now. If our workload increases too much, we might have to pull it back to three, but the plan is four episodes a week, just like last season. We made it work last season, and I'm very hopeful. I think we're going to be able to make it work this season as well. That's, that's certainly the plan. Our goal is to be your one-stop shop for Georgia football podcasting coverage this season. So uh, we're going to make it happen for you guys. But saying that, we aren't quite to game week yet. So today we have another set of listener-generated bold predictions to discuss. We ran part one of our 2020 bold predictions earlier in the week. But you guys kept pouring them in. The predictions kept coming in even after we recorded that first episode. So we figured, why not? Let's just run another one. However, this one is going to be structured like just a little bit differently. We ranked the first 10 bowl predictions that were sent in on the last episode based on how much of a chance we thought they had of actually materializing. And on that show, Curtis and I, we were actually both in agreement that George Pickens, as crazy as this might sound, but we were both in agreement that George Pickens breaking the single season receiving yards, single season receiving catches or receptions, and uh, receiving touchdowns record was the prediction that was most likely to come true. I know that sounds crazy, but I, I actually think even with a, a truncated season, only 10 games in the regular season, with our new offense, if Pickens being the feature guy this season, I, I think there's a better chance of that happening than some of the other predictions that were sent in. So since we've already ranked those predictions on the last episode, it kind of just didn't make sense to do the same thing all over again. So today we're going to simplify things even more. Charlie is going to give me a bold prediction sent in by a listener, and I'm going to give it a thumbs up or a thumbs down. Not in the sense of do I like it or not, but in the sense of do I actually think this has a snowball's chance in hell of actually happening. If yes, I'll give it a thumbs up. If no, it gets a thumbs down. Charlie, is that easy enough? Yeah, I, even this? I understand that. Oh, come on. You're smarter than me. Don't, don't play dumb on me. I mean, I need a visual, so... Yeah, fair. All right, well, I'll give you the thumbs up. No one else can see it. You can see the thumbs up or the thumbs down. This is not a video call, but... Well, you're here in studio today, so you can see the actual visual of it. But all right, so what do you got for me? Give me that first one. So I know we haven't done the prediction show yet, so I'm not going to ask you what your prediction is for Georgia, and I won't disclose mine because I have not decided yet. Still working on that helmet schedule? uh, Gotten started on the helmet schedule? That's my homework this Uh weekend. Let's get it done. So we're going to start with a hot prediction from Nathan. He says Georgia goes 13-0 this year. What do you think? Whoa, Nathan coming hot out of the gate. I love it. Yeah, look, I've been very open this offseason about how high I am on this team and the fact that we are a true national title contender. And we've been a national title contender, I guess, really the last – Three seasons. I know we only made the playoffs one of those three seasons, but hey, if we beat Alabama in 2018 in that SEC title game, we don't blow that game down the stretch. We're in the playoffs, and, and you're a true title contender right then. Uh, last year, I know, again, we didn't win the SEC title. We didn't get in the playoffs, but even losing the SEC title to the eventual champion in LSU, if we just don't screw around and lose to South Carolina at home, I still think we were in the playoffs. So we've been a title contender, but I think we're even more of a title contender this year. I think this is going to be the best team that Kirby Smart, ha- uh, well, let's say the most complete team that Kirby Smart has had to work with since he's been here at Georgia. 2017, that team was special, had a bunch of great leaders and a bunch of just flat-out studs, superstars on that team. But I think defensively, we had some really good players. You had the Roquans of the world, the Lorenzo Cars of the world. But 
up and down the roster defensively in 2017, I don't think we were anywhere close to the to the talent level that we have now on this defense. And no, we don't have a Nick Chubb right now, but I, I think we're talented across the board. We have the talent just fitting it all together, getting it all to mesh together. So I think we have the talent to do it. So I'm going to give this a, a very enthusiastic thumbs up. Charlie, you see that? Is that good, good enough, good enough visual you. for you there? Yeah. yeah, I'm giving this a thumbs up. I'm not saying it's going to happen. I'm not making that prediction yet. We will come out with our predictions next week. But uh, I think this is certainly close enough to being possible that it gives a thumbs up for me, from me today. And look, the reason I, I am not going to throw out that 13-0 prediction right now is I, I still have some questions about the offense. Not as many questions as rival fan bases do, and they're just convinced that we have nothing offensively. That's not true. I don't have this like existential fear uh, about our offense. But, and, I, and I do feel like we are going to improve, certainly, from where we were from an offensive standpoint last season. But my concern is, with the front-loaded schedule, do we improve quickly enough to manage to go undefeated through the regular season? If our schedule was inverse, like if we just flipped it and we put the, the last four games at the beginning of the schedule as opposed to the end of the schedule, when you got South Carolina, Missouri, Vanderbilt, if we opened the season with, with those teams... I might go ahead and just predict it right now, but I think that's the issue. We have a, a tough road to hoe the first couple weeks of the season outside of obviously the Arkansas game to open. But after Arkansas, we got about five weeks in a row where it's tough sledding. It's tough. I mean, we're better than Tennessee, but where they fall in the schedule, that could be a, a tough game. We're better than Kentucky, but where they fall right after the, the primetime game at Alabama, that is a that that is the prototype for a trap game. So if we can get through the first part of the season, then yeah, I, I think we can. I think we have the talent to do it, uh, but I, I'm not ready to go all in quite yet, but it's certainly within the realm of possibilities. So I, give, I give that one a thumbs up. All right. Well, I'm glad you mentioned Nick Chubb, and we all know that we lost our top two rushers from last year's team. However, Robert doesn't think that's going to affect the dogs this year. He says that Georgia will have two 1,000-yard rushers this season. Okay, so this one, I've kind of gone back and forth on. My initial impulse was to, was to give this a, a big, very enthusiastic thumbs up. But the more I thought about it, I just... I don't know. I think I'm pulling back from that a little bit, and there's a couple reasons why. I do think we'll have a 1,000-yard rusher, but I don't know if we'll have two. And probably the biggest reason for that is we just simply have fewer games to work with. We don't have a potential for 15 games. We have a 10-game regular season, and in those 10 games, none of them are against baby seals where you can rack up the yards, I guess maybe other than Vanderbilt. Do we consider Vanderbilt a baby seal these days? Yeah, I'd say so. I mean, so. more or less. It's a shame, but that's that's kind of where they are. I guess that's kind of where they've always been, with the exception of a few years here and there. But it's just a tougher schedule, and it's a shorter schedule. So do we have enough carries to go around in 10 regular season games? And yes, I know you can count the SEC title game if we get there. I know you can you can count potential playoff games and national title games, bowl games, if we even have a bowl season. I'm not sure exactly how that's going to work yet. we still got to find that out. I know those count, but the fact is you have two fewer games to work with in the regular season. So... Are there enough carries to go around with an offense that clearly we're going to throw the ball more? Now, Todd Munkin's been very open about the way to be explosive in the passing game is you have to put defenses in run-pass conflict, which is absolutely 100% true. So it's not like we're going to completely eschew the run game. We're going to run the football. That's going to happen. I just don't think we're going to be as run-heavy as we have been where we were like in the, like the 65% run-pass ratio over the past couple years. Like We were in that range. 
I don't think that's going to be the case. I think we're truly going to be closer to 50-50. If you go back and look at Todd Munkin's offenses at the college level at Oklahoma State and at Southern Miss, he was much closer to 50-50, in some cases slightly over the 50-50 mark in favor of throwing the football. So I, I just don't know if there's going to be enough carries to go around for two guys to get 1,000 yards. I think the two leading candidates there would clearly be Zamir White, Big Zeus, and, and James Cook, who's by all accounts, both of them, by the way, are having great camps. I've talked about how high I am on James Cook in this offense. I think that Todd Munkin is going to unleash his abilities. But unleashing James Cook's abilities also involves getting him, getting him involved in the passing game. So, yeah, I think James Cook's going to get a lot of touches, but are they all going to be running the football? Or is he also going to get a, a, a number of touches in the passing game as well? So maybe James Cook's like a seven, 800-yard rushing type guy, but he's also going to give you four, 500 yards receiving. And if that's the case, I'll take that all day. I don't care if it's 1,000 yards. So I, it's tough. It's, like, it's certainly possible. It's, it's certainly possible. Uh, but I'm, I'm going to give this a very hesitant thumbs down for the reasons I just laid out. I think we're going to get one. It's not completely out of the question this could happen. I just I just don't see with the truncated schedule, with James Cook being as versatile as he is and getting him some touches in different ways, I'm going to go with, uh, with no on this one. All right. Well, last week we were all staring at our phones, checking message boards, because Jamie Newman decided to opt out of the 2020 season, which means now all eyes are on the quarterback position even more than they were prior to his decision. So Donovan, his prediction says that Dewan Mathis is going to be our starting quarterback at some point. Yeah, this one, I'm, I'm giving this a big thumbs up here. Maybe, maybe even two thumbs up. I'm not going to say that I'm predicting it right now, but man, if what I'm hearing behind the scenes about Dewan Mathis, and you guys, I mean, you're seeing it on message boards, you're seeing it on, on social media, you're seeing players come out and say it, but I'm also hearing from a few sources behind the scenes that Dewan Mathis, like, he's a, he's a legitimate candidate for this job. No one's saying he's won the job yet. No one's told me that. But what I'm being told is that he's he's pushing. He's pushing and he's getting better every single day. His athleticism, not that not that JT Daniels is not athletic. He is. He's a very functionally mobile guy, but he's not like Dewan Mathis level athleticism. I mean, Dewan Mathis, even with Jamie Newman here, Dewan Mathis was our most athletic quarterback, our most explosive quarterback in the run game. That, that's just the case. But I'm not ready to say it yet because this guy has zero experience at the college level, and JT Daniels only has a year, but at least he has a, a year of experience there. Plus, he's coming off the injury, which he's been cleared for, from, so like, that's awesome. God bless the guy. And uh, I, I'm excited about what he can do. I just don't know if, like, with what Todd Munkin wants to do. And, and we don't know exactly what Todd Munkin's plans are for this office. We know what he did at Oklahoma State. We know what he did at Southern Miss. But his most recent college gig was in 2015. So what has he learned from the NFL? What has he taken there? The, game, the, the college game has evolved. Does he want to incorporate more quarterback run game? If that's the case, then Dwan might be the guy. Is he going to put less on the quarterback throwing the ball down the field? We know Dwan has a great arm. Uh, we know, and I also know if you listen to his press conference that Todd Munkin puts an he puts a premium on accuracy at the quarterback position. That's the number one thing he's looking for with the quarterback position. So, if Dwan Mathis can show consistent accuracy along with that with that athleticism and that strong arm that he has, yeah, he could be the guy. And I think even if he doesn't win the job, I do think that he's going to get. Some opportunities early in the season to to show what he has to show his skill set. I think we're gonna have some packages for him because, again, what I'm hearing is that he's really pushing right now, uh, and still very much a, a heated battle at this time. So, if if the prediction here was Dwan Mathis is going to open the season as our starting quarterback, I might give I'd probably give this a thumbs down. But saying that he's going to be our starting quarterback at some point, I think that's certainly more possible. 
Again, not ready to say it's going to happen yet because I think JT Daniels is also a really, really good quarterback. I mean, I think he's an NFL caliber guy. And I'm really, really excited in what we have in JT Daniels. But yeah, it's certainly possible that Dwan Mathis becomes our starting quarterback at some point. I mean, look, also you got to factor in that JT Daniels is coming off an ACL injury. He's a year removed, but you know, we just saw what happened with Dominic Blaylock. Uh, he just re-injured his ACL. So it's certainly possible if that happens, then Dewan could certainly be the guy. So yeah, I, I think this is certainly possible. I'll give it a thumbs up. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here as in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. All right. Now let's jump over to the other side of the ball. We had two questions, not questions, excuse me, predictions. This is not a mailbag, okay? I know. We had two similar predictions about the Georgia defense, so I'm going to read those together. Darren says, Georgia's defense is statistically a little down from last year. And Sam says, despite all of the hype, Georgia's defense will finish outside the top ten this year. Okay, man. No, I'm, I'm giving this an immediate thumbs down. Immediate. This is making me sad. This is not like a hopeful Yeah, no, this is like, usually your bull predictions like, are like, we're going to win the whole day, baby. Downer. We're going to beat everybody by 30 plus points. And this is like, no, Georgia's defense is going to suck. Thank you, Darren and Sam, for <laughs> deflating the entire evening. But hey, you got to consider this. Like, you know, we can't be complete homers, so you got to at least consider it. But I considered it, and I'm giving it a thumbs down. Uh, I'm, I, I'm just not, I'm not buying it. I don't see it. And there's a couple reasons why. Okay, first off, guys, as good as our defense was, let me just read off some of these numbers from last year. We were number one nationally in scoring defense, number three in total defense, number two in yards per play allowed, number one in rush defense. We were, I think, I would argue, the best defense in America last year. We had a national championship caliber defense last year. Unfortunately, our offense just let us down. Kind of the inverse of 2018, where we had a national championship caliber offense, but we just weren't quite there defensively. Maybe one of these days we'll actually put it all together. That's just the story of, of being a Georgia guy, right? Uh, but, hey, we were that good last year. And you know what? 80% of that defensive production is returning this year. That's top 25 nationally off of a unit that was first in scoring defense, third in total defense, second in yards per play, first in rush defense. The vast majority of these guys are returning. you got a few guys that are gone. Tay Crowder, God bless him, made the NFL. Good for him. Tyler Clark's gone. We've got J.R. Reed gone. It's good, but as good as J.R. was, and he was so good, he was a first-team All-American. But I think there's a chance Lewis seen. I'm not gonna say he's gonna be as good right away, but more talented. I think there's a strong likelihood that might be the case. And we're adding an influx of new guys, uh, young guys coming in this year, like Jalen Carter, Keely Ringo. If he can hopefully get healthy at some point in the season, I just I don't know, man. Like I just I don't see it. And you can call me a homer if you want. That's fine. I'll also throw this in there too, just just from a, a number standpoint. We also are in a situation right now, as of right now, as of the time we're recording this, I know the Big Ten, they're trying to make a push, some of the teams trying to make a push to figure out a way to, to have some sort of fall season, but as of right now, 
40% of the Power 5 teams, if you include the, the Big 10 and the Pac-12, are not playing this year, all right? And that's a lot of teams with a lot of defensive talent. you got Ohio State, who is also one of the best defenses in the country last year. Wisconsin's usually really good. They were top 10 last year nationally. Michigan's always in the top 10 there with Don Brown as a defensive coordinator. Utah's been really good defensively for a while. Now, Oregon was loaded defensively this year. Has some questions offensively, but had a ton of talent coming back on defense. And those teams who very likely would, would at least contend to be top 10 defenses, they're not playing as of right now. So I don't, like, does it maybe hurt us a little bit that we play in the SEC and not the ACC? Sure, okay, yeah, it's, it's easier to play in the ACC. It's easier to play defense in that league. But my question is, are there really 10 ACC and Big 12 defenses that are better than our defense? I, I don't see it, man. I, I just don't see it. So if you factor all that in, a lot of teams with good defenses aren't playing. We've got so much turning production off an elite defense from last year. Maybe if we just have some crazy, insane rash of injuries, that could happen. But I, I just don't see it right now. I, I think that we are certainly going to – I'm not going to say the number one defense in the country. Uh, I think it's possible. But at least a top ten defense. I just don't see how we fall outside the top ten. I don't see it. All right. Let's move to recruiting, which I know you really enjoy. Oh, yeah. Um, well, it is so the much. lifeblood of all college football programs. Well, I know. I just can't remember. I know. You don't You names. don't follow recruiting as closely. I can't. It's too much. It's like it's not too much. You just got to live it. You got to breathe it, baby. It's, it's just too much information. Uh, I can't. Okay. I can't. All right. I'll give you that. I'll give so, you that. Eric has a very bold prediction. He says that Georgia will have another number one recruiting class because they land Corey Foreman and Mason Smith. That is Mason with two A's. Yes. <laughs> That's not a typo. Mason. <laughs> yes. Uh, so we're going to land Corey Foreman and Mason Smith. Was there another part to that? Yeah. In number one recruiting Oh, class. and I missed that part. Okay, yes. Yeah. So, yeah. Okay, here's the thing. If you cut it off with just landing Corey Foreman and Mason Smith, then this is a super enthusiastic thumbs up because there's a lot of smoke around both those guys. If you guys aren't following it as closely as I am... Uh, Corey Foreman and Mason Smith swear up and down that they are a package deal. I think Mason Smith was quoted on UJSports.com this week saying that there was a, a 100% chance that he and Foreman were going to be playing together at, in, at the college level. And look, guys, take that with a grain of salt. There's been a lot of, of guys that were supposed to be package deals. They swear they're package deals. There's a 100% chance they're going to play together in college. And then when it comes down to it, you get close to the end of the cycle and it's, it's crunch time. you got to make a decision. Guys, make the decision that's best for them. So I hope, I mean, if they both come here and, and as a package deal, I hope that's the case. But don't hold your breath on that. I, you hear that every cycle with, with, a, with a number of different guys and rarely does it end up playing out. It does, I'm not saying it never happens, but it, it's not something that ends up happening all that often. But I know that we're recruiting both of them very hard. They were both here a couple of weeks ago for an unofficial visit on their own dime, which is huge. Brock Vanegriff was doing his thing and showing them around town. A number of guys were in town. I think Amarius Mims was also in town. So they are strongly considering this. And Corey Foreman, by the way, came all the way from California, just like Brock, Brock Browers did a couple weeks ago. And, oh, yeah, what happened with Brock Browers? Yeah, that's right. He committed to Georgia. And Mason Smith's coming from Louisiana, not as far away, but it's Louisiana. So both these guys have been on campus. They're both strongly considering us. Corey Foreman, when he committed to Clemson way back when, months and months ago, we were his runner-up. He, he, he's been open. He said in an interview a couple months ago that, Hey, when he visited us first for his first official visit, he almost committed then. Or I guess it was an unofficial visit. It wasn't an official visit. But he almost committed then. But he held off and ends up committing to Clemson. But he obviously backed off the commitment to Clemson. He's wide open now. There is a strong pull for him to stay home. 
closer to home in California. But if he decides to leave the state of California, I think we are his position as well as anybody in America. So if, if it was just that part, we're going to land Corey Foreman and Mason Smith, I'd give this a huge thumbs up. But you throw in the number one recruiting class as well. That's the one that gives me a little pause. That is a little trickier. And I say it's trickier, not because of the caliber of player that I think we're going to be landing, but it's all about numbers. I'm just not sure we have room for another full class this year, a full class of 25 signees. I don't know that for sure, but just looking at the numbers right now, I'm not sure we get to 25. But that does remain to be seen. And Kirby Smart, you got to say, he usually finds a way with these things. So he usually does. But I, you know, even though I'm not sure about the numbers and that gives me a little bit of pause here, I'm still going to give this a thumbs up. Maybe a little bit more of a tentative thumbs up than I would if it was just the, the first part, Foreman and Mason. But I'm still going to give it a, a thumbs up because I think it's possible. I, I'm not going to predict right now that we finish the number one recruiting class. I need to see us land a couple more guys that are, that are really high on our list or some of the more highly rated guys that are on our, on our board right now. But it's not out of the question. So I'm going to give it a tentative thumbs up right now. So what I did, guys, I went to the 247 composite. And I went to the class calculator, which is always a fun little tool to play around with. And I added some guys, some of the higher rated guys that are still on our board. I think we have a really good shot to land. And I wanted to see what that would give us from a total points perspective and how much that would move us up the rankings. So what I did is I added Corey Foreman, Mason Smith, Smail Mondin, Domin Edwards from Michigan, Nylon Green from here in Georgia as a cornerback, Tyrion Ingram Dawkins as a defensive tackle, and Barrett Carter, who I know, now this is the one that I'm not, like, I'm pretty, I feel pretty good about all those guys that I just mentioned first. Barrett Carter's the one that's, I, I, I don't know, that, that's, that is certainly very iffy. He's currently committed to Clemson, but his teammate from North Gwinnett was committed to Clemson with him. He backed off that commitment. He's going to go to Ohio State more than likely. And uh, from what I'm hearing, Barrett is, I don't know if wavering is the right, right word, but he's listening to other programs. We're certainly still recruiting him very heavily. We're trying to get back in this thing. And Barrett Carter, is a, he's a stud at inside linebacker. He really is. And I think there's a chance. I don't know if we'll get it, but I, I, we're at least he, he hasn't closed the door on at least listening to what we're saying right now. So even if we don't get him, we add those, all those guys, we're still in really good shape. But if we landed all of those guys, and look, we probably won't land every one of them, but if we did, that gets us up to 309.28 points. Right now, Bama leads with 303.04 points in the 247 composite. They have 21 commitments currently. We have 16. So they have room for a few more guys themselves. But also, some of our guys that we currently have on the commit list, they're in line for a rankings bump, in my opinion. Guys like Adonai Mitchell, Jackson Meeks, who's our most recent commitment earlier this week from Alabama, who is ranked in like the 1600s on 247 Composite because he was just an afterthought. He, he was hurt as a sophomore, had, a, had, a, had an injury, he was kind of coming back from that injury last year. But this year, he has come on huge. His first game of the year, I think he had over 200 yards receiving. Just put, put on the tape, guys. If you haven't watched his tape, the idea that this guy is in the thousands, is laughable. I, I'm not going to say the guy's a, a, a five-star, maybe not even a four-star right now. I, I would probably have him as a four-star, but he's. I think he's a top 247 prospect. I really believe that. I think he's going to make a massive jump up the rankings by the time this cycle is all said and done. Not being able to go to camps, things like that, that certainly hurt him. But if he keeps playing the way he's been playing so far this year, that guy is going to keep on moving up the rankings. I think Marlon Dean, I watched him play uh, last Friday night, this guy plays the IMG Academy, and I think this guy—he's a—he's a low, th not a low three-star. He's a mid-three-star guy right now. He's right around the four to five hundred range. But I think he's a guy that, that's going to move up as well. So if we land some of those big-time guys that are still on our on our board, some of these lower-rated guys that we currently have committed, 
get a rankings bump, which they will. I mean, Jackson Meeks right now is the lowest ranked recruit on our current commit list, and that is insane. That guy, there's no way he's the least talented recruit on our commit list right now. That's just that's just craziness. People need to get with the program there and actually adjust their rankings appropriately when it comes to Jackson Meeks, which I think these these services will once they have their rankings updates. So yeah, I, I, look, Bama's not going anywhere. They're gonna they're gonna add to their class. They're gonna get some big time guys. But if we land those big time guys, it's gonna be tough to jump over Bama, but it's not out of the question if we land all of those guys. We probably won't land all those guys. But again, is it possible? Yeah. Not likely, but possible. So I'm going to give it a very tentative thumbs up there. All right. The rest of our predictions are about the SEC in general, but they relate to Georgia in some way. And this first one from Trenton, I feel like it needs a flow chart when I read it. Because <laughs> it just is It's a lot of words at one time. Yeah. Okay. Texas A&M comes in at 9-1, losing to Alabama, but beating LSU. And UGA will be 9-1 because they lose to Mississippi State, which means we will face Texas A&M at the SEC Championship game. Okay, so let me just make sure I got this because I'm an idiot. A&M goes 9-1 in the regular season. Would you like boxes and arrows? Yes, please. Yeah, is that an option? It took me a minute to figure it <laughs> is out. Is that an option? Yeah, so AM goes nine and one the regular season with that one loss to Alabama. Georgia also goes nine and one in the regular season with that loss to Mississippi State, and we play AM in the SEC title game. Yes. Okay. So that means that he's got Alabama with more than well, I guess at least one loss. Because I guess they could only have one loss if that one loss was to Nope. That Alabama would have to have two losses. Yep. Yep. So he's got Alabama with at least two losses here. Okay, actually I think we have a our next question is, does Alabama have two losses, right? Well, I mean, they would lose to us, and they would lose to A&M. Yeah, they would have to, yeah. See? So, Flowchart Look, There needed. you go. There you go. You got this. All right. So, I think we got this. All right. Uh, I'm going to give... The, I, I love this idea, though. I mean, this is, this is probably the most creative question that we've gotten. I mean, this is awesome. I love this. Put a lot of thought into this one. Well, um, let me just say, I'm going to go ahead and uh, weave in the next prediction, because Coach Saban won't be happy with this prediction either. Trey says Alabama will have two losses. Ooh, okay. So he agrees with Trenton to some degree. Maybe not the games, but with the number of losses. All right, I'm going to take those separately because I think they're related, but they're two oh, separate things here. am I confusing here. you now? You're, you're giving me too much. I, I, I'm As Forrest Gump would say, I'm not a smart man. You can't combine <laughs> and be concise. I mean, yeah, I can't. It's been a long day. It's been a long okay. week. It's been, it's been a right. rough one. It's been a rough one. Uh, but anyway, so all right. I I like it. I I like the aggressiveness here, and I could absolutely see A and M winning the West. I really could see that. I, I there's a couple of spots in their schedule. I think they got a tough draw. I think at Alabama and then Florida at home in back to back weeks early in the season, weeks two and three. That's a really tough draw. That's a tough draw. And but after that, like I I mean that's tough. But then you get Auburn at the end of the season. You have to go to Auburn. I'm not super high on Auburn this year. So at the end of the year, it is on the road. I don't know. I, I think if they can split, if AM can split with Bama and Florida, I think they could potentially go 9-1 and one or 8-2, and two and depending on what happens with the other teams in the West, potentially find themselves in the SEC title game. Alabama's obviously going to be the team that I'm looking at right now, I think most people are looking at, including myself, is the, mo- is the most talented team in the West right now. And they should probably be the favorite, I think definitely should be the favorite going into the season, but that doesn't always work out that way. I think AM. With a veteran quarterback, with Jimbo Fisher going into year three, they got some good players on defense. I think that they could potentially be a team that could push Alabama. Now, having to go to Alabama, 
that's going to be tough, although it's kind of like our situation. It's not going to be a full crowd, so maybe that, that helps them out this year. But at Bama, Florida back-to-back, that's tough. That's tough. But it, it's possible. But here's where I where Trenton loses me here. I can see us going 9-1. I just don't in any way see that one loss being to Mississippi State at home. I, I, I respect Mike Leach. I think that guy's hilarious. I think he's an American treasure. I love his little rants. I know you love those, Charlie. You, you actually send me those on Twitter all the time. Like, did you I see this from Mike Leach? Love him. He could talk about anything for hours. He really can. There was one you sent me in, in an intelligent way. There was one you sent me a couple weeks ago. Some, some of our listeners might have seen this, where he's being interviewed and the conversation got steered towards like how to get rid of hiccups. And he went on for like five minutes about how to get rid of hiccups. Sugar. And it's like, yeah, Te- teaspoon I, of sugar. Have you ever heard that? A teaspoon of sugar? No. I, and. I'm, ne- I'm not saying it's not a thing. I've never heard that. But, um, I mean, I guess if I get hiccups again, I'll try it, maybe. I don't know. I don't want if I want a spoonful of sugar. That's a lot of calories, man. I don't know if we can oh, go there. I'm <laughs> just kidding. I just, I just wanted to mess with you. All right. So, anyway, I just don't see us losing to Mississippi State. Mike Leach or not. Kylan Hill's a really good running back. But in that offense, how much is Kylan Hill going to be used in Mike Leach's air raid offense where they just throw the ball down after down after down? Yeah, he'll be using the passing game, but I don't know if that's the right fit for Kylan Hill. I just don't know if you're going to maximize his skill set in that Mike Leach offense. And I always say I love coaches that really fit the talent or fit their scheme to the talent. That's not what Mike Leach does, guys. He has his system. He runs it, and you're going to fit into it. If you don't fit into his system, sorry. Sucks for you. Now, he's had a, a lot of success doing that, and he's never really won a title, but he's had a lot of success doing it. But I, I just don't know if Kylan Hill, who's their best player offensively, and probably on the entire team as well, if he really fits into that. They've lost a lot defensively the past couple of years. I don't know. I just, yes, I, I do think at quarterback with transfer coming in from Stanford, I really believe that. K.J. Costello will be a really good player in Mike Leach's system. I'll give him that. He, he does fit Mike Leach's system. In fact, I mean, he, he's had more production than any quarterback in the SEC. He, like his 2018 season was better than any season any SEC quarterback this year has ever had in their career. Uh, it was that good. He threw for almost 4,000 yards that year at Stanford. So he's really good, and I think it's a good fit with Mike Leach. I just... I'm not ready to buy that they are going to beat us at home. I'm just I'm not going there yet. I mean, anything is possible, but that's just to me that's highly, highly unlikely. So because of that, that part of it is the only part that leads me to give this a a, a thumbs down. I, I can buy the AM winning the West part. I mean, I think Bama's the favorite, but I, I do think Bama has some vulnerabilities, which we'll get to in this next prediction. But I think uh Mississippi State at home, losing to them, that's just that's too much for me to take and can't quite get there yet. All right. And so what was that? Read that next one to me real quick one more time. It was a short one. Alabama losing twice. Is that right? Alabama. Trey predicts that Alabama will lose twice. Yeah, short and sweet. Um, it's Probably a good one, Trey. Nick Saban to start his downward spiral. Has he already started that? Was last year the start of that? Causing him to start. But hasn't he already, like, could you argue he's already started that? How Auburn I mean, ended I last year? I think everybody should get one freebie. And he still had a really good year. We're calling that downward spiral. It was a great year. It's just... Had the Tua injury, the terrible loss. It wasn't a terrible loss, but just the weird loss to Auburn where he did just lose his mind in that game. Justifiably so. Some horrible officiating in that game. And they've already changed the rules to address those things. But Alabama losing twice this season. Okay, so here's what I would say. I think Alabama is more vulnerable than they have been in a while. I still think they're the most talented team in the West. They weren't last year. LSU was the most talented team in the West last year, but they just lost like basically their entire team. Well, they, they lost 16 of 22 starters from last year's team. 
guys just opting out in the past couple weeks. Jamar Chase, I mean, the best player in the team, opting out. The guy was a Blitnikoff guy last year. So, yeah, Alabama was they, – they were not the most talented team last year. I think they're the most talented team in the West this year. But the most talented team doesn't always win. That's college football for you, man. And even though they are talented, I still think they have some vulnerabilities, especially on defense. Mac Jones, I think, is a good, solid quarterback. But is he a championship-level quarterback? I don't know. Bryce Young, yes, the hotshot true freshman. He could be that guy, but is he ready to do it as a true freshman without spring practice and limited time on campus? Maybe, maybe. I just, I don't know. That's a question. I think that's a vulnerability right now. And maybe, maybe they have an answer. Maybe Mac Jones is ready to take the next step. Maybe Bryce Young is ready to be the guy from the get-go. I don't know. Um, so, but I do think there's some vulnerabilities there with this Alabama team. They're strong on the offensive line. Got a good running game. Got two great receivers. But defensively, I do have some questions at spots. And the quarterback, I don't want to say the quarterback's a question, but I just don't know if they're elite at that position yet. I think Bryce Young can be that. I just don't know if he's ready to do that as a true freshman right now with a, with a lack of prep time in the preseason. But even though I think they have some vulnerabilities, I look at the schedule, I'm thinking like, where are the losses? Okay, where are these losses going to happen for Alabama? I think we could beat them, absolutely. I, I, I don't know if I'm ready to predict that, but I, I, as I've said throughout the offseason many times, I think we have closed the gap with Alabama to where the, there is no gap from a talent perspective. And that's on the road at Alabama, tough, right? Well, you know what? We don't have a, a full state to deal with. So it's going to be a tough game, prime time, a lot of pressure in that one. Nick Saban is a great coach. We know that. But I think we can beat them. I'm not, I'm not ready to say for sure we're going to beat them, but we absolutely can. It would not surprise me in the in the line. Actually, I think that should be like maybe Alabama like a, a one or two point favorite that game. Give, give them the two points for home field advantage. Normally it's three, but without a full stadium, let's say give them a point and a half, two points for the home field advantage. But if you look at it from a talent perspective, uh, I call it a pick them, honestly. So I think we could beat them, but who else are they losing to? So Trenton thinks that A&M is going to be really good, but he, he even had Alabama – Beating A and M and that being A and M's one loss, so but I think A and M's certainly a team that could be Alabama. I'd feel more confident saying that if it was at A and M this year, but it's also at Alabama. Maybe Tennessee, like Tennessee, is certainly not there from a talent perspective, but it's one of those trap game spots, kind of like us playing Kentucky right after we play uh, Alabama. Well, Alabama has Tennessee right after they play us, and they're playing at Tennessee, just like we're playing at Kentucky. Could that potentially be a trap game for them? You know, Tennessee was close last year. I know last year was a different team. I get that. But without Guarantano just going rogue and losing his mind, Tennessee was within one score in the fourth quarter of that game. They were about to be within one score of that game, but then it gets stretched out to a three-score game because he's an idiot. But I don't know. That's an interesting spot for Alabama. Tennessee will be up for that game. But again, like there's not going to be the home field advantage for Tennessee this year. That's unfortunate for them. I don't know. I, I don't think they're going to lose to Auburn. I, I know that's a tricky rivalry at times, but it's at it's at Bryant Denny this year. I don't think Auburn's going to be near as good. I don't think they're losing to LSU. I know it's at LSU this year, but LSU, man, they, they just lost so much. I think Alabama is just head and shoulders more talented than LSU right now. So I don't know where the losses are. It, it's possible because I think they, we could beat them and maybe A&M, maybe at Tennessee. I don't know. Maybe Auburn somehow with the craziness of a rivalry, of a rivalry game finds a way to jump jump up and beat them. I just I don't really see that, but it's possible. So I'm going to give this a very, very hesitant thumbs up and say it's possible. I, I'm not going to predict that. I'm gonna, I, I'll am gonna. i go ahead and spoil it right now. I'm picking Alabama to win the West, but it's possible. So I, I guess by my own rules I laid out at the beginning, I'm going to go with a, a very slight thumbs up. All right, we have one more bold prediction, and you're going to like this one. 
It's uh, a good one to go out on. Jared predicts Florida will not finish in the top two of the SEC East. Oh, okay. So you guys know I think Florida's being overhyped. I've well, made that very clear. Well, you were talking clear. on the show last week, or maybe it was earlier this week, about Kentucky and how they could possibly finish second in the SEC East. Yep, and that's that's you read my mind here, Charlie. That's exactly where I'm going with this because. I, I think Florida's good. I do. I'm not going to sit here and say Florida's trash. I'm not one of those guys that's going to say, oh, no, they're garbage. No, like they're, they're a good football team. They're a good football team. I just don't buy the hype as them as like a, a college football playoff contender, potential national title contender. You're seeing all these preseason predictions come out now with Florida in the Final Four, and it's like, ah, okay, maybe. I just I don't see it. I could be wrong. I've been wrong before. I'll be wrong again. Maybe, I'll be, maybe I will be wrong about that. I just don't buy it right now. But the thing is, then finishing outside the top two in the SEC East, I just don't know who it would be that would jump up into that second spot. So, Charlie, you're right. I have made no secret of the fact that I am high on Kentucky and really high on what they bring back and how well coached they are. But it's not always just about that. The schedule is a big part of the prediction as well. And if you look at that Kentucky schedule, it's just brutal. And they open at Auburn. I told you guys, I think I might, I might be picking that as my upset special to open the season. That's still a tough opening game at Auburn. Then they've also got to play us. They get us at home, but uh, we're, we're going to be a really good football team. Then they have at Florida and at, at Alabama back-to-back late in the season. That is a tough draw. I think if you look at their schedule, I would say, as far as I'm concerned, I think Kentucky's best-case scenario is probably 7-3. Like and three. So for 7-3 and three to get them in the top two, to get them to second place in the SEC East, that means Florida has to at least go 7-3. and three with one of those three losses being to Kentucky so that Kentucky would win that tiebreaker. And I, I don't know. I just don't know. I think Florida 8-2 and two sounds about right. 7-3, it's not out of the question. I could see Florida losing to us. I think we're better. LSU is not going to be great. I, you know, Before Jamar Chase and Tyler Schoen, those guys opted out, maybe I'll give LSU a chance on the road in the swamp. But I don't think LSU is going to be all that great this year. I think they come back down to earth a little bit. So I think Florida probably wins that game. At A&M, I think in week two, very well could be a loss. In fact, I think that might be a game that they certainly lose. But outside of of losing to us, maybe losing to A&M, who is Florida going to lose to? I guess Kentucky would have to beat them. Kentucky would have to beat them in Gainesville, in the swamp, for Florida to finish 7-3, and and then Kentucky find a way to finish 7-3 and and, and end up in the second spot there. And I don't know, maybe Florida loses at Tennessee the final game of the year. That's certainly possible as well. I think Tennessee is closing the gap on Florida a little bit there. But I, I just, I don't think this one is likely because I think Florida just has a more favorable schedule than Kentucky and overall more talent. I do think Kentucky's a better coached, but Kentucky just doesn't have the overall talent. They don't have the schedule that Florida has. I can't completely rule it out though. And I just, I just also, I don't think any other team, I know some people are high on Tennessee. I, I think Tennessee will be better this year. I just don't know if their record is going to show it all that much. I think they still have some holes on that team. They have some really good players like Toto. Uh, I think Ty Chandler's a really talented guy, and, and we all know how good Trey Smith is. But I think they still have some holes. I don't think their offensive line is going to be as good as people think it is. I don't think it's going to take that big of a jump because it was just tragically bad last year. I just don't see them taking that massive a jump this year. So I think if there is a team that's going to jump up, potentially contend for that second-place spot in the East, I think it would be Kentucky. Um, but again, I, just, I, I, I don't like their schedule. Florida does have more talent. I think you have to admit that. But it's still something I can't completely rule out. I cannot completely rule out that Florida does not finish in the top two. It's possible that they lose three games. It's possible that Kentucky ends up 7-3 with one of those wins being over Florida. So 
I guess by the rules I laid out, I'm going to give this uh, a hesitant thumbs up. I don't think it's likely, but it's not out of the question. So I'll give it a thumbs up. All right. All right. That's it. That's it. All right, guys. So that's the last of the bowl predictions. We just wanted to make sure and get all of those in here. We didn't want to leave anyone hanging. We appreciate you guys sending in your thoughts and putting your putting your thoughts out there for everyone to hear. So thank you for that. We just wanted to make sure we covered them. And Curtis and I will be back next week. Charlie will be back next week. Actually, we're going to try our best. I can't make any promises, but we're going to try our best to work out the schedule where we get Charlie, Curtis, and myself all on the same predictions episode so you can get the predictions from all of us on the same episode. So hopefully we can make that work out because that would be a lot of fun. I think we've only had everybody on the same podcast like once or twice. So we're going to try to make that happen for you guys next week if we can get everyone's schedules to align. But we have a lot of great stuff for you in the coming weeks. It is almost game week, guys. We've got one more week after this, and then we are heading straight into game week. It is getting here. Let's just hope things keep trending in the right direction. There's no just tragic things that transpire over the next couple of weeks. Positive thinking, right? Positive thinking. So thanks for listening, guys. I really appreciate it. For Charlie, I'm Tyler. And as always, go dogs. <laughs>